Hey there, humans. Welcome to My Game Fiction Addiction, the podcast where every episode, me and a guest dive headfirst into one of gaming's greatest storylines. And it's the first episode of 2021, the long-awaited sequel to 2020, which will hopefully revive the series after the terrible, poorly directed flop of last year. Following on from December's episode on the artfully obscure Limbo, this month we're covering the equally bizarre Inside, Playdead's second title which shares many of the same themes. The story similarly follows a young boy travelling through a merciless dystopian world where one false move from the player will result in his grisly demise. This time, however, the world in question is more fleshed out and less abstract, which, if anything, results in even more obscurity as very little is revealed about it prior to diving in. Released in 2016, six years after Limbo, Inside received similar critical acclaim for its atmospheric world-building, art direction and gameplay, which returned to the notable trial-by-death formula seen in its predecessor. The game had some funding from the Danish Film Institute, won several awards and is now, alongside Limbo, regarded as one of the greatest games of all time. When it comes to this podcast, only the best will do, darling. Joining me again to cover Inside after making his debut with Limbo is musician, producer and Playdead fanatic Bertie Alexander. A few of you actually messaged me on Twitter to say he made a great guess on the last episode and I could not agree more. Thrilled to be talking nerdy with this dude some more and I've got another of his tracks to share at the end of the show. As always, if you want to have your say on Inside, Limbo or any of the games we've covered so far, get in touch on Twitter at MyGameFiction or at MyGameFictionAddiction on Instagram. We'd also love to know your favourite games that you think we should cover so we can give you a shout out when we feature them. Alright, here we go with Inside. Enjoy. Would you rather be stuck in the world of Limbo or the world of Inside? That's like being asked, how would you how would you rather die? Would you rather be set on fire or drown? They're both so... I mean, death is everywhere in both of these games. So I think either way, you're going to exist in this universe where the odds are not in your favour. Inside maybe might just edge it purely just for a pop of colour. Much like Limbo, you just play as a small, unnamed boy, equally as devoid of backstory. There's no exposition here. He literally just pops out of the woods and that's where the game begins. And uh, yeah, it's similarly a journey, but there's a lot more to unpack in this one. Limbo was almost like a blank canvas that was like, it's about a journey, it's about a boy, he's searching for a sister. Clearly it's like an otherworldly place where, you know, the barriers of life and death are blurred or something like that. But with Inside, it felt more like a real concrete dystopia, like something that like George Orwell would write about. Yeah, the world itself is a lot more varied than um, Limbo. It just seems to have that extra dimension to it. And that's not just because there is, you know, more than two colours. There's a parallel there as well between Limbo and Inside. Like, you kind of think there are earthly parts of it, but there's definitely some of it where you're like, "Uh, I'm not so sure now. This is kind of weird. I think on balance, I think Limbo was more impactful for me. But having said that, I think it was probably more impactful because it was the first Play Dead game I played. I felt more satisfied at the end of Limbo, despite it being a lot more wishy-washy in terms of like uh, abstract themes. But I probably enjoyed some of the gameplay and the puzzles more in Inside, I would say. When did you first play Inside and what was it that drew you to it? Was it another MacBook? 
It wasn't, no. It, it, although it does involve Apple, unfortunately. We're not sponsored by Apple. <laughs> other other phones are available. No, I mean, I, I saw the um, I saw the demo pop up in on the App Store, and I thought, and I saw the Play Dead logo, and I was like, oh, okay. I didn't realize. I, I genuinely didn't know it was coming out, and I thought, okay, well, I'll play that. And you get on the on the on the demo version, uh, predictably. I should have seen this coming. You get about ten minutes in, and then it goes, okay, now you got to buy it. I'm going to be serious and I, I bought it for the Switch because uh, I thought, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this properly. And yeah, it was uh, from there straight in and really, really, really enjoy it. Do you want to press the old spoiler alarm? Absolutely. Yeah, boy. Sus, 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 spoiler alert. If you don't want plot details, get out of here because we dish in the dirt. We are about a blurt, so if you ain't played it yet, spare your poor ears and no one gets hurt. We know you'd be pissed if you're in the midst of a really great game and we told you the twist or told you who died and how much we cried. You'd feel kind of bad for derailing your ride. We've been there before and it is a shitter when some total n- posts the ending on Twitter. So back away now and you won't get scorned because spoilers are coming and you have been warned. So first things first, let's talk about the visuals because there is a really big visual upgrade between Limbo. Well, actually saying upgrade feels unfair because they're both very different. One's film grain, film noir, like you're watching a really, like I'm watching a silent film. Whereas Inside felt like an illustrated novel. The water is beautiful. There's a part early on where you're moving through um, a lake and like a little river and the ripples are just stunning. The water is silky. The light bounces in just the right way and you're now a fully formed boy graphically I thought it was gorgeous yeah I agree I mean what play they do so well is they build atmosphere and the way that they do that with the graphics and the sound of this game is just so engrossing as well as obviously the level design and the world building all of that stuff is is um predictably brilliant as well but the way that the depth works as well like is is a bit more um like obviously you can still only go left or right there's no there's no depth for you to actually explore but the way that the depth is used graphically it makes it makes your surroundings feel just a little bit bigger and a little bit more expansive and even in some puzzles as well the depth actually in itself is a mechanic for solving a a puzzle or a, a sticky situation so in this one there are people and there are dogs that are hunting you and you see their flashlights you see they've got cars they've got vans they're sort of like on the road and occasionally you will be running from a dog there's a really intricate and cool puzzle where you get chased by some dogs and you're climbing up a fence. And every time you get to the other side, the dogs actually run around the back of the wall. So like back off into the far distance, back around again, and then like attack you on the other side of the fence. So if you want to get around them, you kind of have to keep leaping over the fence so that they'll keep running around this massive loop to give you enough time to pull some boards off of a door and escape that way. And I thought that was so cool because it's a 2D game that's incorporating a really intricate 3D puzzle. Because the first time you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to hop the fence and pull the board. Oh, oh, there's three boards. Oh, it takes too long. Oh my God, I'm dead. And the dogs are so quick as well to make them even more terrifying again if you're playing with headphones on there's something like low res about their barks they sort of sound like they've got this sort of like weird 16-bit bark and it's so piercing i mean they look scary they're fast they're i mean they're dogs that are hunting you down so it's not ideal 
And I love dogs. Don't get me wrong. I love dogs, but not these dogs. <laughs> <laughs> these are some bad boys. Very bad boys. They will not be getting a treat. Inside's very much a game of near misses, I found. Like it is, if you thought Limbo was like exact and completely intricate when it comes to timing, there are so many moments where you are like a hair's width from death and you just managed to grab that ledge avoid that dog's jaws absolutely and yeah and and building on that like when when you're playing let's say in air quotes a 3d game if you're being chased by something generally you know you can either you can jump up on something or you can you know go into a blind panic and run around in circles i.e like runners in the last of us you can pretty much just be like okay well i'm just gonna run in a circle until i work out how to get rid of these fuckers like you can't do that in this game you have to be like, right, okay, well, I can't run in a circle. It's left or right. Those are my options. <laughs> and one of them is going to kill me. So you have to work it out on your feet. It's almost like they've been given uh, a level of movement and a level of mobility that you don't have. Like they have the power in that situation. The dog can run wherever the hell it wants. The dog's not on rails, but you kind of are. You know, they could kind of come from the motorway in the distance and actually move diagonally towards me. But I was sort of like stuck in this in this one dimensional, two dimensional way of thinking. Yeah, and well, you know, in terms of you feeling um, insignificant compared to other characters, um, at the end of this, we will get on to how you become not quite so insignificant. You reach a barn, don't you? You get to like a farmyard, which again made me think George Orwell, you know, like Animal Farm. You've got this very big brotherish, dystopian looking facility where everyone's being watched and herded. I like the fact that the chicks were friendly. Oh, they were so cute. They were one of the only things in the entire game that weren't out to kill you. <laughs> and they made a really good noise because you put them into this like machine, don't you? You suck them up, yeah. You suck them into this machine and they <laughs> ping across the screen and they like they all hit the, like a crate or something and it falls down. They're making this sort of like soft thudding noise. And none of them die as well. I actually thought as soon as they were sucked up there, I was like, adios, feathery amigos. But no, they totally survived, which I was quite happy about. Oh God, yeah. As soon as I met something endearing and cute, I was like, there's no way Play Dead are gonna mm -hmm. let me get away with having some sort of enjoyment. Yeah. There's no way, not a way. you're gonna you're gonna kill these little <laughs> chicks and I'm not happy about it. But they don't. They Yay! are spared. And it's all good. And you also get pigs as well. I mean, obviously some of the pigs are uh, I mean, a lot of them are dead lying in those carts, but then you get that weird mind control worm again that like jumps in the in the butt of the pig. That was quite awkward actually, because I had to try and like grab the pig's body because I was kind of behind the pig and I was like, <laughs> Oh, this is weird. And then my partner walked in. And I was dragging the pig backwards, but still standing behind the pig. And he was just like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what? A, little, a little bit Black Mirror, season one, episode one. <laughs> totally Black Mirror. But um, but yeah, the worm, I, I couldn't help but think of Limbo because of the mind control worms in Limbo. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely a parallel there. I think in this game, they went a little bit further with weird sort of quirky things that controlled your body in different ways. Like when you jump up into that helmet thing, and you're like controlling other people. The mind control machine, yeah. And you're just thinking like, how does this work? And again, that, that like discovery of this wonderfully weird mechanic. And you're like, okay, well, I know I'm going to have to stick my nut in here and, and just, <laughs> I, you don't know what's going to happen. And then, and then you, you're, you know, you're running, you're sort of running in place in the air and there are other things that are moving around you, like other people. And you're just thinking, how do they think of that? 
It's it's so it's so weird, but so great. It's absolutely genius. Like the gravity was out of this world for Limbo. You know, it was one of those mechanics that when you sort of looked at the look at it on paper, you're like, I can't work that out. That makes my mind hurt. But then when you get used to it after a while and you start to control those other characters that are sort of like the workers that kind of run around. And a lot of this is about almost like taking back control, isn't it? Like you suddenly you're the one who's got this little army and they're sort of like lifting you up and stuff. And yeah, I thought that was so, so cool. I really loved the marching scene. Oh yeah. Where you're going through the facility and you have to like, it's like a test of obedience. If they detect that you are somehow not obedient or somehow not under this this kind of regime and this control, you are immediately like tasered and basically dragged off. And it's really, really brutal. And you have to jump at the right time. Don't you have to turn around at the right time? You can't be seen to stop too soon or walk away without like, you know, being in, in line with all the other people. And that was chilling. And also you've got to be like one step ahead in terms of like just looking ahead and looking at okay well when do i jump and also it it weirdly also part of that is what's on the floor like am i in am i in an area where i'm not supposed to be jumping and it just looks like some like really weird dance routine that you've got to memorize but that but that's similar you know when we're talking about audio and visual cues of this is when i need to press this button that's one of those ones like in limbo where you're hearing the like the ticking getting faster and faster and faster and you know that's when the gravity is going to turn off you kind of have that with this where you're thinking okay well let me just think about when i need to do this and you have to really and like timing is everything you're right because you're listening for like the shuffling of feet aren't you and you're listening for like the clatter of like the people that are jumping inside that little marked box they're going to be landing it's fascinating like how that that whole section of the game works and you hit you see these little things in the background as well that you didn't necessarily have with limbo because limbo was very the focal point was like the layer that you could see that was kind of up close whereas you know in, in inside you're walking around and suddenly in the distance you'll see loads of people being like herded into the back of a van and you're just like the fuck's going on there or like during that process of um them assessing whether or not you're one of these compliant human things ish maybe you can't like categorically say whether they are human or not again that's kind of plays into the abstract stuff of it but yeah when when you're going when you're going through that process and there's people in the background with like clipboards and stuff and they're like you know what's going on here and, and there's like um you feel like you're being watched again you know the orwellian big brothery sort of stuff like the depth of the of the game in terms of like what you can see is is used so well yeah, and like you say, you know, it, it's always debatable as to whether some of these creatures and these characters are human or not. And I constantly, on all the way through the game, was also thinking it was debatable as to whether they were even alive or not, because some of them just kind of seem like almost synthetic hunks of flesh that are almost reanimated by the technology that you're interacting with, like the mind control hats. They're barely living; they're just kind of slumped over, and all of a sudden they'll just like lift up and and come to life. And I couldn't tell to some degree whether some of them were actually dead creatures or like. Like alive creatures or, or where that where that boundary was like there's a part where if you free one of these creatures from its environment if it's in a cage or anything or you or you release them from something and then they follow you around and then you use their physicality to solve puzzles again you're like why like why are they following you 
and are they alive or, or you know what what is their level of consciousness and why are they following you it's just it's deeply deeply strange <laughs> i tell you what i got a real westworld vibe a lot in some of the more clinical facility bits where you're sort of walking through like those screening rooms and stuff and you've got all those people that are sort of like you'll see big piles of them just lying around and it really reminds me of westworld where they're kind of like humanoid robots that are they are programmed for a purpose and it felt like these people were it was so hard to tell if they were real human beings or whether they were just like like made uh, and manufactured in some way. What facility are we at? <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on, basically? Like, who are these people with clipboards and what do they want? You know, you're processing all of this in the background of trying to work out how not to die. So the next section to talk about is probably when you get the sub, you know, you get inside like a submarine and you go underwater and this is where you get the creature that I, in my notes, always referred to as the mermaid. Uh, In my notes, I've got the underwater ring girl. (laughs) Oh my God, yes. With the hair. She's got the the white nighty thing going on and the and the long black hair she is terrifying absolutely terrifying the way she swims like i mean i'm calling her she i mean it's hard to pinpoint that because there's no discernible features that would kind of indicate its sex or anything it's just kind of like a white humanoid thing with massive long ring hair but it kind of you know like the grudge it sort of is swallowed by its own hair and it just keeps like it just keeps coming i've never seen anything swim so fast and again near misses so many moments where you're just about to like get your feet grabbed by this creature and suddenly you're like out the water and you're deep breathing like as a player you're just like (gasps) the amount of times I was just really tense and I could just feel it in my body yeah absolutely and and also once you get into the submarine you think you're safe and you're not (laughs) exactly it's a spherical submarine thing that you climb into and there's a light that that it has on it so the, the, the direction in which you're facing that's where the light is but if you're traveling in one direction and this thing's chasing after you and your light isn't pointing at her she will come and basically crack the glass and pull you out of the thing and that cracking noise as well let, you know i i'm gonna just completely fanboy over the sound design of this game <laughs> like for the rest of the podcast but yeah i mean the cracking like it's it sounds so simple but the cracking of the glass on the front of that submarine is like com- combined with the fear of death is just so potent. You're just like properly, properly bricking it. Trying to keep the light on her whilst also trying to work out at some point how I was supposed to break through a ceiling. But then when I broke through the ceiling, when I did the whole, um, you can do like a jump, can't you, in the submarine where you sort of focus your power for a moment and then let it go and then you sort of bounce into uh, a a wall and break through it. Every time I did that, the light went out and then miraculously she came running over and killed me and I was just like, ugh. And again, I warned you, I'm going to talk about the sound, okay? (laughs) When you're underwater and you like, you bump into stuff, like it's, it's the sort of like dull, like muted, clumpy noise i don't know if clumpy is a word but that like the the sound of the like the thudding underwater is just oh, it's so cool 
It is. No, do you know what? You're absolutely right. It is clumpy because it kind of feels like <laughs> you, you get the impact, but it's dulled and sort of um, restricted, I guess, by the, the the water and the idea of like the resistance of the, mm. of the water. So it's almost like a it's got a bit of a bubble and a reverb to every like little knock that that submarine makes against a wall of a cavern. And yeah, it's beautifully, beautifully crafted. And I'll let you indulge sound even more because the next bit is where you're walking along and you have to hold like a door, like a screen to protect you from an incoming shockwave that's blasting around. You get like eviscerated on the spot, basically. <laughs> if if this, if this yeah, there's like this pulse of air coming from something. Again, like the you, you get that hint sort of like before you even got to that part where you can hear like you can hear it charging up and then there's like a ooh there's like a sub of like this massive pulse that comes out and, and smashes into whatever is in front of you basically so you can hear that before you even get to that part of the game that bit took me a while because i was trying to work out again it's the rhythm of like making sure that the uh, shield that you've got, the kind of the door that you're sort of holding onto. You have to make sure that it's like behind a rail so that it can't just blow up and like throw you into oblivion. So um, there's so many elements of that that yeah, you are completely relying on the sound, you're counting the beats, you're waiting for that like big blast of energy to kind of like thwack across everything. And I mean, when it hits you, it's a crunchy like Oh, it's it's a real horrible sound because I think that's probably one of my my most gruesome gruesome deaths that I thought of in the whole game was just like you being blown to bits and and seeing your limbs and your sort of like your very well formed body considering you know comparison to Limbo being completely chunked. <laughs> yeah, definitely compared to Limbo, it is the goriest visual that that you're going to experience. It's yeah, you literally just get like harvested on the spot <laughs> it's fucking gross I got stuck on that sliding door puzzle for a while. Once you get through that part, and that does, like you say, it's the ambience and the soundscape is gorgeous, and you do really have to heavily rely on that for your use of timing and for rhythm to get through that section. When you get to the next water section, this is where you realise that that creature, the thing that you've been seeing, the siren, mermaid, ring girl, has like an umbilical cord and it's inside a tank. You end up getting into the section with the creature where she pulls you into the depths and she puts like a glowing device on your chest, doesn't she? Like it kind of hooks onto your chest. And the next thing you know, you can breathe underwater. It's like full on shape of water. You can just like breathe and you're around with the fishes and stuff. And that confused me because I was like, oh, was that thing, was that the purpose of that creature all along? Was it helping me? Was I just scared of it for no reason? Was it always, did it always have good intentions? Yeah, that's one, that's one part of it, which is, I wouldn't go so far to say it is a plot hole because when she catches you before you die and you go back to the beginning of the puzzle, but when she catches you this time, she gives you supernatural abilities so you're like okay well which is it it's how she was feeling that day <laughs> you know I'm, I'm not gonna i'm not gonna think about it too much because basically that that ability then 
opens up a whole new mechanism for for them to exploit in terms of you know what the next sort of 10-15 minutes of the game are going to be like heavily relying on being underwater and swimming and and again how that sounds how that feels how that looks it's just another dimension for you to uh, immerse yourself in exactly and you're exploring all these like sunken offices and this is kind of where you start penetrating deeper into the facility uh, and it is you know some kind of research facility for all intents and purposes like there are reanimated workers i mean they're all wearing like hard hats and stuff and little high-vis jackets and those screening rooms are really strange where you sort of see cameras set up and even vhs tapes like clearly people have been studying something i think this is where the word inside for the title of the game really hit me because i was like it's all about looking in and then it's kind of completely encapsulated by the tank you eventually get this giant ass tank and there's all these people pressing their little faces to the tank and at first you're a bit like oh god these people are you know throughout the whole game everyone's tried to capture you and you know imprison you and then you realize that these people are more civilian perhaps than the people that were hunting you at the beginning they're sort of workers you know they're office scientists as such they're all wearing lab coats and there are even little kids there as well and they're all just peering into the glass it's a huge change of pace in terms of scenery but also yeah you're absolutely right like everything or everyone you've encountered up to this point has been out for you and then suddenly you're plunged into uh, like a testing facility or whatever it is and and everyone's kind of like no one cares about you anymore suddenly like you're not the center of attention anymore and that makes you think okay well something different is happening here before you get into that part of the building i noticed that there's there's a phone like a like an old school sort of like phone hanging off off the hook on on the wall it's it's little things like that that you kind of you kind of think okay something is not quite right here one thing that i wrote down in my notes that i never really got an answer for was that you see like a forklift taking like a crate and there's a parent or a you know an adult human holding the hand of like a little boy and they sort of turn and like walk away like back into the warehouse and i was like who are they like is it bring your kids to work day like can i come <laughs> yeah like that that looks safe that looked nurturing that looks so different from the rest of this game and i was like what is going on there the reverse water puzzle was the biggest head trip for me i thought gravity in limbo was cool but they totally topped it with that idea of like okay you can just like adjust water water is going to be upside down and you can totally jump and swim into it like that boggled my brain it was so cool you alter the water level but it's coming from the ceiling you stand on a crate and jump then you're in the water that's stuck to the ceiling and then you can swim across and then drop down on the other side of the room from the water that is stuck to the sea it's it's i mean yeah absolute head fuck for sure so cool though it was so beautifully done and again that's where you're like this isn't reality like this is it, it feels scientific because of the setting but they've just played with every aspect of like physics here and it, it really plays with your head in such a clever way also the people who were kind of in stasis they're obviously all floating there because the water is up as soon as the water is lowered they then plummet to the ground and they're actually alive again this is where I was like alive or just animated because they were missing some of them were missing heads and limbs but they were still wandering around they were still more than happy to give me a leg up so that was great yeah that scene is so eerie like where they're all hanging in like they're suspended in the water I definitely got um death stranding feeling off of that as well like that sort of what are they called bds bts yeah beach things bts yeah, 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 yeah. BTs. not quite human kind of there kind of not yeah just really really creepy when you get to the tank, I got this feeling that was like, ah, oh, maybe whatever is inside, haha, that tank or sphere 
is actually the reason that I'm here. Like maybe I'm not, because the whole game or, or, you know, at least a good third or maybe even half of the game makes it feel like you're escaping. And this is the turning point for me where I was like, I'm not escaping, I'm breaking in. I'm actually breaking and entering. I am getting inside that tank. I was actually consciously going towards this thing i had a purpose with this thing it's quite jarring i mean yeah you, you you're absolutely right you've been you've been hunted for this whole game and then suddenly you're like okay well am i, am I the one that's now being proactive in terms of like fucking stuff up am i the one that's trying to like go and shake it up a bit and and explore but obviously getting into that tank is quite a big turning point in the game you get sucked into a fan and suddenly you're butt-ass naked in a tank with loads of people just staring at you and there's this weird flesh ball of limbs in the middle and uh, this creature is actually called the Huddle. If you haven't eaten yet, um, I would definitely recommend uh, going to watch the game developers conference clip where the developers talk about building the Huddle and like what it took to animate it because yeah, it's just the most impressive looking but also disgustingly disturbing thing. I watched it today and it's absolutely fascinating. Like if you are interested in game design, interested in just like art or just, you know, want to see something kind of gross and feel sorry for the poor animator, like, yeah, I'll, I'll link you to the video, but it's so cool <laughs> and also disgusting at the same time. It's a very, very unpleasant thing to look at. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like a squidgy version of the Rat King in, um, in The Last of Us. It's kind of like this massive, and also that's what's so cool about like, you've been so small and so insignificant for this whole game. And suddenly you're thrust into the role of this absolute behemoth. The back end of the game is you basically um, navigating as this, just this massive like blob basically. And again, the sound when you break through the glass as the blob is amazing. That cracking of the glass, I don't know how they did it, but it sounds beautiful. You are the most powerful thing now. I think the noises here for me, the, the soundscape peaked for me because of the noises it makes. Like the huddle, groaning sounds. It sounds like it's in pain. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's really, really quite troubling. <laughs> really sort of guttural at times and it actually reminded me have you seen spirited away uh i don't think i have actually no is that a studio ghibli one it is it's studio ghibli and there's a creature called no face uh it's like a kind of ghostly apparition spirit and it eats loads of things and as it eats it grows but because it's kind of like uh, its body is almost cellular. It's kind of like a, a tadpole or something that you can see through. Everything just gets sucked inside it. And the more it eats, the bigger it gets. And just shockingly, it can actually squeeze itself into these like crazy gaps, which the huddle can do, which I thought was pretty weird. Like despite its massive bulk, it can almost sort of like squeeze itself into small spaces. And yeah, the way it behaved really reminded me of, uh, of Spirited Away. I was kind of hoping it could suck up more people. It doesn't help that no one wants to come anywhere near you some of them don't look scared at all but some of them are terrified and they're just running and screaming and you're right it's such a dynamic shift there's parts of the puzzles where like people are actively helping you 
um, like opening doors for you and, and just basically like, we'll help you, but just don't squish us. Because you charge through the facility, don't you, as the huddle on a rampage. You kill a terrified worker. I think he might even be the CEO. And you get doused in blood. Like there's this really horrific like squish sound. The blood is all over the outside of the huddle after you've landed on him. And it's like, oh shit, <laughs> this is different. There needs to be a mop and bucket. Every time you land, you know, more bits break off of it. So it kind of feels like they're still animated. Sometimes you'll you'll land really heavily and an arm will like randomly come off of the huddle, but then it will like crawl across the floor and you're just like, what? <laughs> This section kind of felt a little bit long, I think, towards the end. I was kind of like, where is this going? Like, am I going to get my form back? I kind of, you know, felt clumsy. I felt bloated. I felt too big for myself. And I really wanted my little boy back. The people actually manage to trick you, don't they? The scientists get you into like a container and then you get ejected and you get thrown out. You roll down a big hill and you just land on a beach as this creature, this four meters tall, squishy, made of lots of body parts creature. And it just kind of lays there and the sun breaks through the clouds and it's just sort of helpless, like on a beach. And I kept pressing things. I just kept thinking I was I was supposed to be doing something. And then the credits roll. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a really weird ending. Like, you know, you've been so destructive and so like brash about just smashing everything in your way and you just end up sort of sunbathing as this like as this weird blob thing and you're and yeah you're absolutely right because again there's only like three buttons you can press in this game anyway so there's only so many options that you can go through so you're thinking right well i'm gonna press left i'm gonna press right and i'm gonna press the other one depending on what console you're playing on it's it's a lot more final than limbo as you, as we said before like there's a cyc cyclical a potentially cyclical nature about how limbo can go round and round if, if you want it to um but yeah at the end of that you're kind of like yeah you're just a beach whale basically it's sort of weirdly beautiful and actually i didn't realize this until i was looking into it over the last few days excitedly to do this podcast um there's actually a diorama of this scene in the facility no way and i think that's really interesting and some people believe that the setting seen in that end scene where the, the huddle is lying on this beach and it's sort of like stranded and because this diorama of this scene is seen in the facility some people believe that actually that ending um that area is not the true outside but just another annex of the facility it's possible that the scientists have lulled the huddle into that so that it's secure and it's contained and the head fuckery continues <laughs> I thought that was so cool. I really like that idea. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, particularly because the ending scene, that that like tableau of um, the creature lying there on the beach is actually shown inside the research facility. Like a lot of people reckon that that's actually what it is. Like it's just another part of the facility that it's been put into and you think you've escaped, but you haven't. I think in my brain, I was thinking if I press enough buttons, my small little red shirted boy will somehow emerge from this huddle because it was him that I really kind of cared yeah. about. I think whatever this thing is, I'm like, God, this has just kind of swallowed me. And I think it was unsatisfying for me because I felt like, where's the kid? Like the poor yeah. kid, is he Is he just like part of this creature now? And you kind of think if you just press X enough, then you're just going to get like farted out of the back of it or something. Exactly. You think it's going to just poop you out and you're just going to be covered in slime and you're going to run on your merry way. And, and that was it. And it's bizarre. A lot of people, People have said that uh, there's a lot of theories out there that maybe the huddle is controlling the boy throughout the game. So it could be leading him to set it free. 
and potentially that was kind of like what you were there for all along because the boy's purpose is never really known at all um so that could be a potential but it just felt like oh man what about him like where is he in all this what was his purpose um does he at least get away or was he never meant to get away was he getting in (laughs) well it sounds like he's almost fulfilling from from your Mm. theory from earlier he's almost fulfilling a prophecy that that exists anyway so yeah yeah, it's there's obviously (laughs) there's obviously levels to this that i haven't quite got around to thinking about but i'm happy to explore and uh yeah there's obviously i mean as with any game there's gonna be lore around um the universe that people have gone to great length to <laughs> expand upon and I, I actually am quite lucky because i never had it spoiled for me i i'd never seen the huddle until i got to that point in the game whereas digging into it a little bit more um the huddle actually like it was revealed obviously that that was its name at the at the game developers conference that i mentioned with the clip uh where they talk about how they animated it but actually the photograph of the huddle is kind of like the concept art for the game um and it's like inside the room with the second orb, which I don't think I found, (laughs) there's a photo on the far right that actually shows an image of the huddle. And then in the underwater section, apparently as well, you can like use the submarine to like knock out some lockers and then like a small figurine of the huddle falls out. And I was like, I I didn't see any of this. So it's obviously, like you say, prophecy is the right word. Like there's something about this creature that's existing throughout the whole of this story. There's actually an alternate ending if you get all of the trophies. Is there really? So the alternate ending is a secret ending that can be achieved once all the hidden orbs have been deactivated. After playing through the game at least once, and after all the orbs have been deactivated, return to the cornfield in the farmland where the second orb was found, open the hatch on the floor and enter the bunker and then head to the closed door on the right. Next to the door, there is a three-way lever in which each direction plays a tone. To open the door, you'll need to replicate a sequence of tones played from a VHS machine, oh my God, found near the fifth, 12th or 13th orb. Once the door is open, the protagonist enters a long tunnel in a cave-like fashion. After a while, a ledge appears in which the protagonist cannot climb back up. At the end of the tunnel is a ventilation shaft that leads to a room with derelict orbs, a desk and a chair with a mind hat. Oh, I love that it's called a mind hat. That's so cute. Um, Hooked up to several computers. Further down the room is a gate that, if opened, will reveal a plug. Should the protagonist unplug the cable, the mind control helmet hooked up to the computers deactivates, the lighting shuts off, and the protagonist will enter a limp state. The meaning is not entirely known, although many theorise that this either represents the protagonist being freed from the player's control, (gasps) breaking the fourth wall, or that the cable being unplugged has freed every albino from the mind control. That's fucking cool. That has wrinkled my brain. <laughs> that is some crazy elaborate Easter egg stuff right there. I do like the idea that the um, it's a fourth wall thing. I like the idea that the protagonist, uh, the the protagonist has managed to make the he's managed to free himself from the player's control. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm literally writing it down now. I'm gonna go on YouTube after this and check it out. <laughs> Apparently there's further evidence for that as well, that when the boy jumps, the wires connected to the master jolt, like the the actual thing jolts side to side. So maybe that's it. Maybe we are the ultimate mind controller at the crux of it all. Like we've like we've been sort of like unwelcome to this point. He's like, oh, finally, leave me alone. Jeez. 
I think I need to lie down, but... Certainly need to have a little, yeah, maybe a beer and uh, just maybe sit in a darkened room and, and think about my life. I want Bob Ross to paint me some clouds. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about how a video game protagonist might desire to be free from my control makes me feel kinda guilty for all the times I've made them jump off ledges to check for invisible walls, or chuck them into a body of water to see if they could swim. We're the bloody monsters in it! Thanks so much for listening to this episode on Inside. If you've got a game you want us to cover, let us know on socials, and if you like this, maybe chuck us a cheeky review to help others find a place to geek out over amazing video game stories. As always, massive thanks to Neil Kuhn for our amazing artwork, Daniel Ansel for the spoiler alarm, and Matt Chapman of Muchas Music for our ear-tickling theme song. We'll be back next month to cover our next game. Look out for some clues on Instagram and Twitter. Until then, stay safe and eat your broccoli. Play us out, Bert. <laughs>